I am on a mission of sorts to go through every Full House episode in order and break it all down to give you the full feel of what Full House is all about. From character analysis to even a psychological breakdown, I am determined to get through all eight seasons of this phenomenal show. As always, I am your host, Amy, and thanks for joining me and becoming a part of my Full House family. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the What's This Full House Edition podcast. As always, I am your host, Amy, and today we are going to be talking about Season 2, Episode Number 7, Joey Gets Tough. So I know it's been like a couple of months since our last episode, maybe maybe about like a month and a half-ish. I skipped uh, August, and there is good reason behind that, but I will get into that more at the end of the episode. So this episode, Joey Gets Tough, was originally aired on November 25th, 1988. So if you remember from season one, so if you go back to season one, we have the Miracle of Thanksgiving, which actually came out um, on November 20th, 1987. So that was their first um, holiday episode. It was their first Thanksgiving episode. And this one actually probably premiered either on Thanksgiving or after. I'm not usually, I think this is a Friday that this came out. So it was probably the day after Thanksgiving. They didn't want to do a Thanksgiving episode, which is perfectly fine. Um, because we still have that one, the miracle of Thanksgiving. That was just such a good episode. And I'm glad that they, they took that right from the gate, uh, the Thanksgiving first holiday episode and um, obviously that's one of our faves. So this one here was written by Lenny Rips, who we're familiar with at this point in time. And this one was directed by our very own Jeff Franklin. So we all know Jeff Franklin, the creator of Full House. He's done a lot of these episodes so far, all the way back through season one as well. So the description for this one is, after Joey must hand down a punishment for DJ when she doesn't come home on time, tensions build in the Tanner home all the while Danny makes a cameo in Jesse's band. So here we go. Okay, we start off with the another cold open sequence where we see Jesse working out in his room with Michelle. So Michelle is now this tiny tot and she is working out with Uncle Jesse. So we see him lifting the weights and Michelle's imitating him with these cuter, smaller weights, probably like half pound weights or less. And she's just adorable wearing her cute little outfits and so cute. So Jesse is so good with her here, showing muscles. And when he picks her up and he does the super baby thing, it's just adorable. And I remember they show this scene actually in a flashback sequence sometime in the future. Um, not a whole lot to it, this cold open, but it is super cute. Um, this one, of course, along with all the other cold opens that we've seen this season, have nothing to do with the episode at all. But again, super cute. Love it, love it, love it. And then we have our theme song, which has no changes at all. So we're going to jump right into this episode. So we then open up at the house where we see that it's nighttime and everyone's eating dinner. And Danny comments that he might be Joey's this might be Joey's best meal yet. And Joey says, thank you. And once, once I obtained courage to actually drive up to the drive through window, I felt strong. So <laughs> we know that Joey isn't the best cook ever um, from time to time that this has happened through the series so far. But um, so he has now bought food from a drive-thru and passed it off as he 
made it himself, which he actually, he's done this before. So I don't know if you remember um, in uh, season one, episode five, Sea Cruise, where he went off and got Chinese and put it in pans to make it look like he was actually cooking it. And he's like, get rid of the evidence, which was like the takeout containers. I thought that was so funny. And I wanted to point out Joey's sweater here. So there's two cartoon dogs on it. And if you know me and you, you guys know that we, I have a, another show that I do, a Disney show. And these dogs, and I, I, I have to point this out. These dogs that are on Joey's sweater are actually the two dogs from the Disney movie, The Aristocats. Um, and their names are Napoleon and Lafayette. I remember these dogs so vividly just because I have seen the Aristocats a billion times and I love these two dogs in that movie. And I really wonder if Dave Coulier ha like has this sweater anymore. I doubt it. But wouldn't that be cool if he still had it or it was somewhere at a Goodwill somewhere? Wouldn't that be cool? Check your local Goodwill for this sweater. Let me know if you find it. Okay, so now we're at the girls' offer to clean up dish dinner, which is kind of a rarity because Danny has ingrained this cleaning on them so much that they just don't, they don't want to go there, you know? So by them doing this, it kind of sparks or speaks to that they want to do something. Even the guys are slightly impressed by it. And DJ denies dessert since she has a big karate tournament the upcoming weekend. But I actually remember the first time DJ mentions she was in karate, which two, I think it was like two episodes ago, I had said, I think this is the first mention of DJ doing karate, which was actually um, not true because I did remember it this, this go around. She was in karate, which I think was in season one, episode six, Daddy's Home. Um, but I did not go back and rewatch that to actually confirm it. So I'm not 100%, but I think that was the first mention of her doing karate of some kind in the show. So, yeah. The thing with... Michelle in this episode is that she doesn't have much of an appetite and she wants cookies other than what is put in front of her. So classic toddler move here. So now while DJ and Steph clean up, Danny tries to get Michelle to eat but all she wants is cookies. Jesse then enters the house and he has good news. His band is playing at Slim's that coming weekend. So that's a new and exciting thing for Jesse since it's been a minute since we've heard really anything about his band recently. It's all been about the advertising business with them selling the jingles. But here, Joey isn't involved in the band. And so Jesse has gotten a good gig booked and is excited about it. And so Danny has this idea to get Jesse exposure for their upcoming gig, and that is for them to perform on Wake Up San Francisco. So Danny mentions the show is on Friday morning. Keep that in mind, Friday morning, Friday morning, Friday morning. But Jesse's band has to audition for Danny's boss first, whom we know as Mr. Strobridge, who was also in episode two of this season, Tanner versus Gibbler, when we first met Rebecca. So Danny goes to a little warm-up spot with Jesse to pick a song out that would be best suited for the show. So Joey is put in charge of the kids that evening. So Joey then leaves with Michelle and DJ and Steph they leave the room, I mean. And so, of course, DJ and Stephanie have had this plan that they've been hatching all day. They are glad Joey's in charge because he's kind of a pushover and he's kind of like one of the kids anyway. And they think that he'll let them do anything, really. 
So what is their plan? What do they got going on? And so Joey brings them both into his room to show them his new impressions and his new routine and whatnot. And they love it and they're laughing at everything. And DJ picks up the TV guide and is like, oh, there's an educational special on Japan. Like she's just, you know, yeah, that's her way of being it. And Joey's like, oh, let me see that. Let me see what the, um, what that's about, you know? So he looks at the time and he goes, it's not until 1030. And he said, would it be that, would it be Tiffany live from Tokyo? A music special on TV, which that night, which Tokyo and San Francisco have an eight hour time difference. So also keep that in mind for now. So, yeah, they pretty much beg and plead for Joey to let them stay up and watch Tiffany live from Tokyo. So, Tiffany won't be on till 1030, which means, if you think about it, that Tiffany is performing in Tokyo at around 2 p.m. Tokyo time. So Stephanie says, good thing I took a real long nap today. And Joey kind of shuts this down and says, why did you take a nap today if you, if you didn't know about this until just now? You know, it's a valid question. And Stephanie and DJ boil it down to women's intuition. <laughs> Because they know that he wouldn't ask any more beyond that. They're like, it was women's intuition. She she pretty much had women's intuition to take a nap. So funny. It's actually a pretty wise answer to give a grown man who wouldn't really know the difference. I mean, really, it's true. It's true. But Joey is finally figuring out why the girls have been so nice to him all day. And the girls know that if he says no to them, all they need to do is implement the bunny nose. So both girls do the bunny nose, which is like just, I don't know, making a little bunny nose and making it move. I don't know what good it does, but it, good, it did good for him because he finally caved in and is going to let them watch Tiffany. And he even goes to make the popcorn. Okay. So we fade in later that night where we're watching the girls and Joey who are watching Tiffany on TV. And they're doing all the dance moves and everything. And I wanted to point out that the song they are dancing to is called I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany. And the literal only reason I know this song is because of this very scene. So that's another instance of me only knowing a song because of Full House. And of, I probably was uh, whew, 11, 12 maybe, when I um, was to the point in my Full House watching where Songs were familiar to me enough where I could go on, like, the iTunes store and buy them or listen to the little one-minute sample they let you listen to. So I learned that song from this episode. Like, I probably Googled the lyrics or something, and that's how I figured out the rest of this whole song. And I probably put it on a mixtape or some point or another. But the last time I remember I talked about the song Help from the Beatles from Season 2, Episode 1, Cutting It Close. Same kind of thing. Anyways. Anyways. They are all enjoying themselves until someone walks into the front door. And it's Danny. Mm, he's disappointed that the girls are up so late. You can actually watch this whole concert. Um... If you want, it's on YouTube if you're interested. I couldn't find the exact date of this concert, so who knows if it was even filmed. 
in November of 1988 or before that, but I did look it up on YouTube and there is definitely a concert that she did in Tokyo um, around, uh, probably around this time of, of uh, humanity. So anyway, Danny, of course, isn't so happy about the girls being up so late. He wants to talk to Joey alone. Danny explains that the girls took advantage of him and that if he puts his foot down, they will respect him more. Hmm. Interesting. Now we are at the set of Wake Up San Francisco, where we see Jesse's band performing the song Devil with the Blue Dress On, sung by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, which I don't know why I thought that song was sung by Credence Clearwater Revival. Weird how some things sound like other bands when they aren't. Any, anywho, let's get, uh, let's get back on track here. Of course, Jesse's band is a hit for the boss, Mr. Strawbridge, and we finally see Becky back in this episode. We haven't seen her since DJ's very first horse two episodes ago. Two or three episodes ago now. So it's awesome to see her back for this one. She has a fun idea that after Jesse does his set on the show, that Danny should do a song with the band. And because Danny will be in Fresno judging the Miss Kadota Fig competition, he won't have time to practice. Thus, Jesse thinks it's better if Danny doesn't sing with them at all. So it's it's Jesse's band. I feel like he should decide and not the boss of the television show they're going to be on, but whatever. Mr. Strawbridge kind of threatens Jesse that he'll hire another band if Danny doesn't do a song with them. And since he knows Jesse needs the exposure, he's going to do it. So he kind of like took advantage of Jesse there a little bit, and it hurts me a little bit. Now we fast forward just a little to the end of that night. So we know Danny is out of the house, and Jesse must be too. So we have, a, uh, we have Joey babysitting again. He calls Mrs. Gibbler, Kimmy's mom, of course, and asks if she's heard from DJ since he hasn't, and he's just, he doesn't know who to call anymore. Clearly, DJ is late coming home, and so he's beginning to worry. We have a small scene here where Stephanie tries to convince Michelle to eat broccoli, um, kind of back to our topic of Michelle only wanting cookies um, this whole time. And so Joey then asks Steph if, if DJ was ever late like this before, and she says she doesn't know since everything before she was five is fuzzy. Same girl, same. I don't remember anything before that. So finally, DJ walks into the house and Joey hugs her. He asks her where she's been and she tells him that she was with her friends working on planned strategy for the tournament. She's acting very nonchalant about how late she is, like she doesn't even seem to care at all that Joey's been worried sick about her for over an hour. Joey gets upset with her and follows her into the living room and asks her, why didn't you call? She doesn't understand, though, why he's getting so angry about it. And so Joey grounds her for the weekend when her karate tournament is. She argues back with them and says, when dad gets home, I'll be ungrounded. And Joey feels defeated that he wasn't listened to and wasn't taken seriously. We then go to the next morning where he is making breakfast where Michelle still wants a cookie, but she does eventually eat what is made for her. Jesse comes down with all his gear and his stuff and tells them not to forget to watch him on Danny's show that morning, so it must be Friday morning, because his gig is the next day at Slim's. So Joey asks him if he saw DJ that morning, and he said yes, and you are not her favorite person this morning. Joey is getting driven nuts over all the tension with him and DJ. Jesse gives him advice and to stick with his guns as to the punishment that he gave to DJ. 
DJ finally comes down and greets Michelle and almost leaves for school immediately. Stephanie hugs Joey and says no matter how much he disciplines DJ that she'll still love him, then goes on her way to school. And the way in this, in this kind of scene here, the way DJ treats Joey is a little bit disrespectful. Um, Joey's trying to be nice to her and he even made her lunch for her. And she looks at him and goes, I will be purchasing my meal today. And just kind of like continues on and leaves. She doesn't, she doesn't even say, I don't, yeah, she, she says hi to Michelle. I don't even think she says hi to Stephanie um, here, but I mean, she's the one who came home late. So <sighs> we then fade in to the set of Wake Up San Francisco, where we see the winner of this Miss Kadota Fig competition, where um, who is their featured guest, and Danny is obviously enamored by her beauty as she talks about figs. <laughs> but he doesn't hear a single word she says, of course. Becky does not seem impressed whatsoever, and the only words from the fig winner are, Over the years, the fig has gotten a bad rap. A lot of people think of it as only a filling for a Newton. That's literally the only thing she says. The only thing she says. Then Danny and Becky just start talking about what's next, which is Jesse's band. I just... They didn't thank her for being on the show or anything. They just completely forget that she's sitting there, this guest. But since Danny was so engaged with, the, with this woman that literally only said one sentence... And they didn't, they didn't even thank her for being there. They didn't say, oh, thank you so much, Miss Kadota Fig, winner, blah, blah, blah. They just literally panned over and them talking about Jesse's band. And since they were talking, I guess this winner and Danny were talking so long, they only have time for one song. So since Mr. Strobridge wanted Danny to sing so bad with the band, this is the one song that the band could can do which upsets Jesse since their sole purpose to be there is to plug their band for their upcoming gig and now they have to figure out figure Danny who isn't even a member of their band the members of Jesse and the Rippers are actually different this time than any other time I've seen Jesse's band all different except for Jesse of course Remember, we've seen them multiple times, his band members, and then most of them were in the doo-wop group in a pox in her house, and they've just been kind of consistent throughout. Um, here, they're all different, except for Jesse. So I wonder why that is. I, I have no idea why that is. It's, it's interesting to me, though. Then we have one of the most hysterical performances Bob Saget ever did on Full House performing Proud Mary by Creedence Clearwater Revival. And maybe that's why I thought the song, other song was them, because it sounded so similar. And I have no idea how on earth nobody, nobody bursted out in tears laughing so hard at this. I just cannot watch this scene without laughing my actual butt off. I don't know if like you've really seen this performance until you've watched it more than 10 times. So if you need to pause this and go watch it, please do, please do. But at this point, I'm gonna take a really quick short break. I'll be right back right after this. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for absolutely free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. And here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. 
Just go to podcasters.spotify.com or download the free Spotify for Podcasters app and get started today. Alrighty, welcome back. So we are at the scene where Danny is doing this amazing, hysterical performance of Proud Mary from Creedence Clearwater Revival. But mid-performance, DJ shows up to the studio and surprises Danny. And now that we are done, we'll find out why she's there. But as Becky is, like, signing off for the day, she says, We'll see you next Monday for another edition of Wake Up San Francisco, which... Of course, confused me because I thought this day was Friday. And they can't be pre-taping it for Monday since they're advertising Jesse's band playing that weekend at Slim's. So I don't know why she would say that unless it was a mistake. Okay, why? I, I feel like I remember somebody else at some point in time saying Wake Up San Francisco was taped or the show, they do it on Monday, but I really was confused about this. Is it Friday or Monday? I, I don't know. I don't know what day it would be. Um, anyway. Danny, um, after the show ends, Danny confronts DJ on why she's there. She wanted to tell him what Joey did, but Jesse had already told him everything that went down the night before and into the morning. He says that after school, they're going to have a family meeting at home and they'll all talk about it. Jesse then gets volunteered to drive her to school because um, apparently Mrs. Gibbler dropped her off. We have yet to see Mrs. Gibbler, an appearance of her, and we won't either. So we fade later into that night where everyone is sitting in the living room where they are going to have a family meeting. We haven't seen a family meeting like this so far, so they even have a talking stick to hold for whoever is talking and expressing their feelings. They discuss how and why they are upset. Jesse agrees with Joey's punishment. And then some overlapping arguments start to arise. And Joey doesn't like that and explains that growing up in his family always fought. And as we know, he was an only child, so he must be talking about his mom and dad fighting. Since we also know they got a divorce when he was very young. Okay, so he doesn't want to hear all this arguing and puts an end to it. Here comes that heart talk right here, but it's mainly Danny and Jesse giving Joey the heart talk here, but Danny says Joey's punishment is final. Of course, DJ doesn't think it's fair, and she goes to her room, and Joey follows her. So they sit down and have their own little heart-to-heart -heart between them, a little heart-talk between the two of them. Joey wants to lighten the mood between them by telling her his earliest memory of DJ's life, in which Danny and Pam wanted to name DJ Farah, and he told them not to name her after a hairstyle, which the name actually originated from the famous Farah Fawcett from the original Charlie's Angels but DJ seems disgusted by the name only because the name was big before her time, and that seemed weird to her. They kind of continue to talk here, and Joey says that always been great buddies, and since he's more of a parent now, it's kind of changed things. Like, remember what I said in the beginning, how he's kind of like a kid too, but now he's more of a parent? It's changing things between her and his relationship, because now he has to lay down the law and he's even afraid to do that because he doesn't quite know how. He's still learning too, even though we're um, two seasons in here. But he explains that by her being light scared him to death and he wouldn't know what to do if anything happened to her. 
They say they love each other and hug and then joke about the Farah name again. And since Joey is new at this discipline thing, like I just said, he thinks that the punishment he gave her was a little harsh and lets her go to her karate tournament that weekend. But the next weekend, she is definitely grounded. So he does stick to his guns uh, for, you know, fairness purposes, I think, because DJ already had this tournament planned. She had been training for it. She had been, you know, working really hard towards it. And I think to a degree, it's a little bit harsh to ground a kid from performing in a, in a elite skill like karate. Um, probably this tournament is going to determine if she gets graduated into the next belt. Who knows? And why would you ground a kid from trying to expand their horizons and experiences and hobbies and whatnot to improve their life? Why would you ground them from that? You know, and so I feel like in a way by him changing not the punishment, but the date of the punishment, I think that's a little bit more fair because she's accepting of that now. And she's like, okay, fine. But she actually tries to get out of it because Joey's like, you're grounded next weekend. And she goes, oh, wait, I'm, I made plans with Kimmy Gibbler to go ice skating. And he kind of gives her the really eyes and she's like you know I had to try <laughs> and it's like girl if you don't said that to me we'd be somewhere else you know what I mean so she should have just been like oh Joey thank you so much oh my word thank you so much oh thank you so thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you, thank you so much you know and she did I think thank him um once but you know, I just, it's a little bit of a different episode with Joey being kind of this tough guy, uh, DJ kind of, you know, taking advantage, which if you think about it, this is not the first time the girls have done that. What comes to mind is um, season one, episode two, our very first night, I think it was, where the girls are up with Jesse and Joey. Well, they're up with Jesse first with the band rehearsing in the living room. And then Joey comes in and starts doing the conga. Then about five seconds later, Danny comes in and reprimands everybody for being up so late. So the girls did convince them a time before this. So you'd think that they would be a little bit, um, they would have learned a little bit, but here in this one, it's like one of the girls uh, deliberately was non-communicative with the adult here, so that wouldn't necessarily cause Joey to be in trouble. Only her, only her for this. All right, so now we're going to go into our guest stars for this episode. We have one, two, three, four guest stars. Holy cow. Okay, so our first guest star, we know her, we love her. Lori Laughlin as Becky. As we know, she has been with us since the beginning of season two, being first featured in episode two of this season, Tanner versus Gibbler. Hold on to your horses, because she will be back. Oh, we love her. Okay, next is Richard Paul, who plays Mr. Strobridge, so it's good to see Mr. Strobridge back for this one. He first came to us also in episode two of this season, Tanner vs. Gibbler, and he will also be back. So I'm very excited about him. Our next co- um, our next co-star, our next guest star is Lori Ann Carr who played Miss Kadota Fig. So she was the girl with the one line, never to be seen or heard from again. So Lori was only in a few things, but most notable was that she was Miss December of 1986 for the Playmates Centerfold edition. 
So then she was featured in the 1988 movie Mortuary Academy. So that's pretty much all I could find on Lori. Our next guy. Our next guy, which I didn't even know. I didn't even realize this. So this, this guy, his name is Paul Wright III. Paul Wright III. Okay. He's a band member of Jesse and the Rippers. Okay. He is a 25-year music executive artist, producer, Grammy-winning composer, film and television projects out the wazoo. I was like, holy cow. And you know how I had said when I was talking about this scene is how I didn't recognize any of these other people because they weren't usually in Jesse and the Rippers. This was one of the guys, I think he was playing keyboards in the band. And it was like, I had no idea how much stuff this guy has done. He, the most current thing he's done is he's been music supervisor and composer for the upcoming film Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story starring Grammy award-winning artist Ladisi. I hope I'm saying these right. There's just, uh, when you get some time, like, look this guy up. His name is Paul Wright III, and you can read his amazing accolades. And, I mean, he's a Grammy-winning composer, and I'm, I'm like, ugh. And he was in this little tiny little sprinkling of a scene, and he's just amazing. Very good. So, so amazing. So before we end the episode today, I actually really wanted to talk about something that is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So what day is it? Yeah, so about a week ago almost now, I had the absolute honor to attend 90s Con in Tampa, Florida, and... You guys, oh my goodness, okay. So, I'm just going to talk about our experience. So, we get there and we got our little lanyards on. We're so excited to be there. I brought my mom with me, of course, because she's joined me two times now on the show and you guys know that she's just in love with Full House as I am. I brought my husband with me, and we just went to this con conference, you know, this convention. And uh, we're walking around. There's a trillion people there. And we're just, there's so much to look at. You just don't know what to look at. And there's people everywhere, and you're like, okay, where, what do I do? What do I do? Do I... Do I need any of this stuff? You know, people are selling things and doing things. If you've ever been to like a, a Comic-Con, I guess, or anything like this, then you'll kind of understand. But um, I'd never been to one before. This was my first time ever going to something like this. And I was like really nervous um, and excited and didn't know what to expect. I was trying to not get my hopes up too high just because... I was like, well, you know, if we don't meet anyone famous or get anything signed, you know, we'll still be here. You know, how cool is that? So we're walking around and uh, I was like, oh, what's around this little corner there? And uh, we turn the corner and there he is in the flesh and blood. Mr. Dave Coulier was standing right there. Um signing autographs and taking pictures with people and it was just surreal and I my mom was just you know looking at everything and I was like mom it's Dave Coulier and she turns around and she's like oh my gosh it's Dave Coulier and so we go up and there's like a little table there and the line is in front of the table to like go up to him and you know these celebrities they have to have their rates for autographs photos and stuff like that and at the time we just we looked at the photos that were available and we just couldn't 
warrant um, spending money on that kind of thing, which was our own personal choice. Um, we just didn't feel like it was, um, you know, we just didn't feel like it. Anyway, but we saw him, and Scott Wagner was there. If you don't know who he is, he plays Steve later on in the series. So both of them were there um, at this time anyway. But the entire cast of Full House was present in that building. We had um, Jeff Franklin was there. Um, Dave Coulier, of course, Scott Wagner. Uh, we had Jody Sweden, Andrea Barber, and Candace Cameron Bray. So all of them were somewhere in the building at that time. But right now, we only saw... Dave and Scott at this point in time. So we were like, like when I tell you there were so many people, like there were so many people that we couldn't even get semi close to them, really. Like we saw them from like the walkway, the skinniest walkway you can fathom, like maybe a foot wide, maybe. And so we're walking, we're looking, we're like starstruck. We're like, oh my goodness, look at who's here, da da da. And so we kind of like mosey along. We knew that the full house panel was going to be at a certain time. So I don't know, it was maybe around like 1, 1.30-ish. We decided to go outside to see what kind of food they had. So we got some food, got some lunch sat around um, for a while, kind of looked at the schedules of the day to see what was going to happen. The, um, the Backstreet Boys were there, but um, I'm, I wasn't really all that interested in them, and don't, don't shut me down for that, but I just was more interested in the Full House uh, cast, and we also saw um, the actor and act actress who plays Mr. and Mrs. Winslow from Family Matters. They were there. And a couple of cast members from Boy Meets World were also there. Um, we saw them from a distance. But mind you, these lines of people, they've been waiting like two hours to get an autograph. I just, I just didn't want to do that. I just really didn't want to do that. So we went and ate lunch and made our way back to the conference rooms where they have these big you know, panel things. So we get in, we walk up, and we have a seat, semi in the front. And right as the, you know, they're doing this cosplay contest with all these people, and they've made these costumes, and they look, all look so good, 90s themed, 90s themed stuff. It was so cool. These people are so creative. It was so interesting to see what these minds create, and what they wear, and what they put on, and some, some of them, you look at it and you're like, how did they drive here in that? You know, like, or did they just bring like a giant duffel bag with them? You just, you wonder, I wonder things like that when I see them. Um, but goodness gracious, they were cool. And we did not know this, but like after each of these shows that they do, they kick everybody out of the room. So we're like sitting there in one of the best seats in the house. And then at the end of the contest, the guy was like, I need everyone to leave the room so that we can start our next thing. And I'm like, oh, great. We're screwed. So because the full house panel was right after that. And we leave the room and we get in this line and we're like, OK, well, we're in the right line. We'll just get right back in. And the line starts moving. We're going up and up at the line. There's a guy, like, standing there checking the badges and everything. And he's like, you guys VIP? And we're like, no. And he's, like, pretty much told us, like, commoners over there. So points in this direction of the uh, pretty much the other side of the building. Um, and we were, like, ex like, what? And he's like, general admissions over there we're like okay so we continue to walk and I'm like where are we even going where are we even going this this thing starts in like 10 minutes this line I am not even kidding you I have never in my life seen 
such a line of people. It pretty much wrapped around the first half of the building and then went up, like curved, and then came back around the other side. And that's where we ended up. The end of that, I am telling you, it was probably like 500, 600 people on this line. And of course, I'm starting to get upset because I'm thinking in my mind, this is never going to happen. We are not getting in there. This is way too many people that can even fit in that room. We're screwed. We are, we're screwed. We didn't even know that there was a separate line for general admission because there was literally no signs anywhere for anything and you just had to know. You just had to know where to be and what time to be there. So finally, the line starts moving and we get going, we're walking and we're walking and I'm like praying to God. I'm like, God, if I am meant to be in this room, and this was pretty much the entire purpose of us going. So buying the tickets back in June to go to this thing and then I'm having almost having an anxiety attack because I'm thinking we're not going to make it. We've spent our money on these tickets for literally nothing, no reason. And we're just not going to make it in. And I'm praying to God at this point, like, God, if I'm meant to be in this room today, you will open the door for me. You will have me seated in this room. And I brought like my husband with me and like my mom is with me and I cannot, like I wanted to go to this so bad and I cannot let them down either. So anyways, anyways, we get in, the, the, the line's really, really moving, and we get in. And of course, the, clo the only seats that are available are like two rows from the back. And so I'm thinking, I'm just grateful I'm in this room at this point. And I'm not, because there was no standing room allowed. Like, they wouldn't allow um, people to stand in the back. Like, they kicked them out or found a seat for them to sit in. So, we were extremely lucky to even catch a seat. My mom had to sit in front of us. And my husband happened to get a seat next to me. Happened to. Um, he, at first, didn't. And then um, somebody, I guess, scooted down or left or something. And he was able to sit next to me, which was great. And so then... Um, the MC, the host of whatever was introduced everybody and one by one, here they come out of the sidelines and I'm, I'm just sitting there, um, beyond words, uh, and it's okay that I didn't get to meet any of them or have them sign anything, or have a picture taken with me, or whatever. It just was like an unreal thing to see all of them in person. And if the articles are correct, this was Jeff Franklin's first panel in over a decade. So to be able to see and hear him talk in real life, because I've heard him talk before because he was on a couple of the uh, commentaries on Full House on the DVD extra special features or whatever. So I've heard him speak before, but not live. <laughs> I mean, it was so cool to, to see him and Scott and Dave and Andrea, Jody and Candace all on the same stage at the same time, talking about just their memories with Full House and how they've become such a, like a real family and they talked about Bob Saget in such a way that was so respectful and everybody just, you know, they all miss Bob so much. And as does all of us big fans, you know, we all just, you know, and as much as I built that up, it probably doesn't sound that too exciting to you. But um, to me anyway, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, a once in a lifetime thing. And I hope Next year, if I end up going, um, maybe I can budget better and have a better plan and have a better expectation, you know, of what I really want to do 
and how I really want to do it. Um, it just depends on next year. But uh, I think that's going to end our episode today. I just wanted to talk about my trip to 90s Con. And if you ever get a chance to go to 90s Con, um, please do. Don't let my experience discourage you because I didn't get to really do anything all that great. But, um, you know, you never know who's going to be there. And you never know what is going to happen. And I just, if you ever have a chance to go, please do. Please do. It's so much fun. And we had a great time otherwise, you know. And uh, just one of those experiences. You just have to do it. You have to do it. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today. My, um, As always, I am your host, Amy. And I will see you next time when we do Season 2, Episode number 8, called triple date so episode eight it's called triple date is coming up and i hope that i can get this done in the next month or so because i will be taking a break from the show starting in november so i will not be recording for a while after that so i'm hoping i can get that episode up and running for you guys and I just want to thank you so much for tuning in today to the What's This Full House Edition podcast. If you guys have any cool fun facts or trivia, you can always contact me at fullhousepodcast01 at gmail.com. You can like our Facebook. We are on Instagram, What's This Full House. I do have a story on my, on my Instagram of 90s Con if you want to see some pictures from that. And... Yeah, if you guys have anything else, just email me at uh, fullhousepodcast01 at gmail.com. I already said that, didn't I? That's okay, you can hear it again, so you know. And I will see you next time. The Full House Edition podcast has no affiliation with Full House or the Warner Brothers Studio. The views and opinions given by the participants are theirs and theirs alone, and do not represent the companies that they happen to work for. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.